All right. Week three, part one. We're looking at the missional nature of God. Tonight we're talking about participating in the Missio Day. We, uh, a couple weeks ago, was it two weeks ago or just one? Just last week? Time flies and you're having fun. Um, participating in the Missio Day. Uh, so first of all, we'll start with some conversations about the, the homework. Know that I give you homework from week to week. Last week we talked about presence as well as proximity. Did you have any thoughts on how you could increase proximity or increase presence with your neighbors? Any thoughts? Anything that you actually did? I'd love to hear stories. Yeah, the only thought I have is that there's only one woman we really have any sort of dialogue with in our neighborhood. And whether... uh, I understand, like I told you when we were talking earlier tonight, I just... Aside from her... I just don't see any. This is this is so defeatist. Now that I'm saying it out loud. Okay. Take it. So, but I just don't see anything that we can do. Just because the, the people that we live around just no. It's, I just don't. But there's one. Yeah. Right. But I'm saying to encourage the proximity. How mm-hmm. we could encourage it? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you literally it would have to. It would be baby steps for sure. And I'm going to push back and say, but baby steps are still movement. Yeah. And, and, you know, you may have heard my story and think, okay, nine families all at once. I know that that's overwhelming to carry. I think, yeah, fine, nine people, nine new friends. Um, but it might just be that one person that you think they're not that weird. Did you guys have your pod party? No, we haven't. Yeah. Trying to figure out a time when it'll work and we'll have to do... Invitations and things like that. Yeah, we have, but that's that's still the plan. It's it's weird because it's just like down the block from us, you totally see like families and connections with each other. They grill each other's driveways. We live in the odd part of it. It's just where nobody talks to each other and mm-hmm. just keeps to themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it might not be your neighborhood. Uh, know that God, I, you know, God still wants to use us wherever we are. We, well, one thing that we did do uh, was with my family. Okay. That is something that you asked me if I would share that. I did. So I can do that. You ready? Yeah. All right, let's do that now. Okay. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so I, wait, I come from an Italian and Irish family, so I don't, it doesn't fall too far from the tree. Catholicism really doesn't. Um, so for people who may not know, what, what, what is, is the that? rosary okay. on my arm. Okay. Uh, and basically, I as as I grew up, um, you know, I. You should do it then, because as I grew up in in the, in the Catholic Church, uh, it was it was fine until I, I started doing my own thing and looking at things. I just decided, you know. Not everything in the Catholic Church works for me, you know, and, and I grew up, I was, at least I thought, I grew up in a family that was really open-minded about that, and, uh, you know, they preached open-mindedness, all this kind of stuff my whole life, you know, just, yeah, you have to have open-minded. Well, as soon as I said that I was going, I was going to church here, and she's like, oh, where? And I said where I was going, she's like, huh. Is that Catholic? I said, no. 
she goes, okay, that's my mom. She's like, she's the only second generation in. So they, they weren't going to church at all because she was angry with God and ridden with guilt for not going for so long. She didn't go because her brother passed away at the age of 39 and she had all this anger built up and all that. So uh, she wasn't going for the longest time. Then after I started talking to her about how I was going with Becca and how it had really had an impact on me, how you guys had an impact on me and just everything, the way that this whole thing happens here was special to me. And it went from being angry with me to saying that my grandfather's probably rolling over in his grave to we're going to church now every Sunday. They're sharing stories with us about how they go to church every Sunday, how they go to breakfast every Sunday as a family, which is great. And they're no longer mad at me, but proud of the fact that I go to church. So it started somewhere, and it started with you guys. And then it, it kind of just, you know, it actually started here with you guys, so, yeah, pretty much got my family going back to church again, and that's, that, that Becca is pretty much where the seed was planted, and everything grew with you guys, so, and then spread to my family. Oh, my homework? <laughs> <laughs> so homework is done, and, and see, that, that sort of thing happens when there's proximity and presence. Yeah. And, and sometimes the initial step, it feels like it's three steps backwards. Because sometimes us saying that we're taking our faith seriously is an affront to people who aren't. And when we say that we're getting right with God, that then causes some people to think, I'm not all right with God. And then that's a scary thing. So I, I love this story. I, I had a conversation with Justin. Well, you know, how, how do I respond when she's angry and confrontational and saying, well, your grandpa's rolling over the grave. And my response? Love, man. Pretty much. Love him. Just, just keep it even keel. Just do what you got to do. I mean, because it got my sister going again. Too, who wasn't going. So, I mean, this is it's kind of a big deal. It's, it is. It really is a big deal. So, I mean, it's it's... It's amazing, and, and, and to finally have that acceptance that she preached for a while, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And to have them actually excited about going to church, it's, mm-hmm. it's a great thing. <laughs> it's a fantastic thing. Are they here? It, uh, <laughs> no, 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 they're, they're, no. Going, they're, they're going to Catholic church, but yeah. That's still a win. <laughs> we are not the only church in the world. Right. We're not the only, de- well, technically we're non-denominational right now. So the, uh, we're not the only show in town. There are lots of p- places where people can get, get connected to God, and that's our desire. If they end up coming to the table, fantastic. But the table is not going to fit everyone. What we want is we want people engaging with God. And so I love this story because so much was packed into a relatively short period of time. Yeah. With you starting to come from the you know, seeds that were planted as well as this other stuff with the family. That I ragged on you about it every week. I'm sorry for that. No, that's fantastic. That's that's my job. Um, I, I can take it. Real man. That's all right. My family all like, What do I do? <laughs> and the response? Just love. just love them. Just, and do not react. Basically. This. And, and and you turn the other cheek. Yep. And it's like okay, because part of part of what that is and what it has been in my experience is they want to see is this real. Are you going to live like this Jesus 
Jesus you say that you're connecting to, or are you going to lash out like the angry Protestants I know? You know? And so, I love it. And although you've checked this off, now the question is, okay, what's next? <laughs> because because that's, that's the thing, and that's one of the things that's a little bit scary for me in, in some way, is that this is never done. Yeah. You know, it's, okay, what, what does it look like to have presence with a family who's now going back to church, but it's not this church? What, what does it mean to make sure that just as we are deepening our relationship with Jesus, how do we encourage that in them? Good by example. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be different for each of us. Yeah. What exactly that looks like. Thanks. Yeah. My question to you is, how do you do it without being hypocritical? Right on. <laughs> how do you do that without being hypocritical? Because I am a hypocrite right now in my own neighborhood. In what way? The fact that I won't reach out to knowing Christ would do it no matter what. No matter who it was. Right, there, there was one time when Jesus was with his disciples. And there were about 4,000 men on the hillside, along with women and kids. And Jesus said, you give them something to eat. He knew that they didn't have any food. He was increasing their faith. And he said, okay, so what do we have? At that point, they said, okay, we've got five loaves and two fish. And so Jesus gave some instructions, said, okay, have them sit down in groups of 50. And Jesus blessed, broke, gave the bread. And afterwards, when they collected, I believe there were seven basketfuls left over from that five loaves and two fishes. Jesus invited them into something that they couldn't do on their own. He said, watch me do the work. He did it later, and they still weren't quite prepared when it was mm-hmm. you know, 5,000 people. But that time they had less food and they had more left over. Interesting correlation there. But So what, what do you do? Do you say, okay, Jesus, I know that you called me here. Surprise me. I want to be faithful. And my guess is that if you're praying for your for the outsides of your neighbors' houses, praying for the neighbors who live inside, saying, God, I, I want you to love them through me. My guess is that you will have some coincidental meetings over the next couple of weeks. In my experience, that's how it works. But I want to get back to the question, how do you do this and not be hypocritical? I think that's kind of the start is praying for those opportunities. And I don't know if I shared this here before or not, but a co-worker was telling me when they moved into the neighborhood, a neighbor lady came over and was meeting with her mom. Her mom, a co-worker's mom, knew that this lady was coming over to tell her about her church and to get her to believe. And to, and she felt kind of like, you can come in and we can be friends, but don't. If that's your only reason for coming, don't do it. So I think that's almost more hypocritical because it's like I want a relationship with you but I only want a relationship with you because and yeah I mean that's your ultimate goal for the relationship but if you push that out there and like you have this agenda people see through that too and that's Uh 
And I think you just have to start with praying for those natural opportunities. Mm -hmm. And then Anyone else feel hypocritical from time to time? What do, what do you do with that? Yeah, when you find yourself digging a hole, stop digging. Yeah. Yeah, that, that <coughs> idea of repentance. It's not just stopping, but it's stopping and turning around, going in the other direction. Um, and then there's there's the the knowledge that, yeah, I'm not living in a way that really matches up with what I believe. So it's likely going to be a course correction where you're not likely to be able to jump from here where you are to where you want to be. It's going to be a course correction like you're steering a boat. You don't just get to start exactly where you want to be. When it comes to behavior and relationships, those take time. But I would guess it would be safe for all of us to say, Yes, there are times when I've thought about talking to someone about Jesus and I didn't do it. We're all there. Then the, the, the thought is, okay, is that okay? I would say no. When it comes right down to it, just because everybody else is doing it doesn't mean it's okay. But the goal is that we share the good news that we have within us. And ideally, it's with everybody that we come into contact with, and especially those people that God is putting on our heart. And that's, that's the goal behind the, the proximity and the presence, that it then doesn't feel artificial, where you're actually living with, living near, experiencing the same sort of things, and really caring for people in the neighborhood. That's one of the reasons that I really like what we're going to be doing, starting to do uh, next week. Part of the neighborhood listening activity is to look and see where you already see God working so that you can join God in what God's already doing. Rather than saying, I know Jesus, so I know what's best for you. I've got seven steps to happiness. You know, whatever it is, it's the idea that I come with all the solutions. And we'll talk about how that's really backwards. And that's not the way God usually does it. <coughs> so part of it might be confessing, well, that's kind of how I've operated. Let's figure out a better way to do this. Other comments on this? All right. So then on to new material. Well, it's kind of review. So first of all, the three movements in the Missio Dei. Again, Missio Dei, Latin for the sending of God or mission of God. First of all, the God, uh, God the Father sends the Son. That was uh, one of the passages that we read. 
says, I was sent. That's how you need to send the rest. So here we go. God the Father sends the Son. Then God the Father and the Son together send the Spirit. The third, Trinity working together, send the church. This, this is how God works. This is what uh, the sending of God looks like. The sending God sends Jesus. Jesus and God the Father know that humanity can't do it alone. Send us the Holy Spirit, part of that new covenant, part of the living in the new power of God that's available. And then the Father, Son, and Spirit send the church. And I would say it's this, this sending, this mission, is about priority. Priority being not just what's most important, but what came first. I love this quote. It's not so much that God has a mission for His church in the world, but that God has a church for His mission in the world. It's not so much that God has a mission for His church in the world, but that God has a church for His mission in the world. So what came first was God's mission. What would you say God's mission is? To bring people to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus. Bring people back to Himself. One place in the Gospels, Jesus says, I have come to seek and save the lost. But even before Jesus, even before the Incarnation, what was God trying to do? Trying to bring people into a relationship with Himself. Genesis 12, when God was calling and sending Abram, I will bless you so that you can be a blessing to the world. Part of God's mission is to bless the entire world. Okay, So that was going on before there was a church. So God's mission is returning humanity to that original relationship that we had in the garden where Adam and Eve had perfect harmonious relationship with each other and with God at the end of, of the book the end of the Bible it looks like that again perfect harmonious relationship with every tribe nation race tongue all gathered together around the throne And that's where we're going. God is restoring those relationships that were ruptured because of sin, because of brokenness and pain in the world. So that was the mission. That was the trajectory. And now God has a vehicle to take care of to implement that mission. And his chosen tool is the church. So it's not that the church came up with this great idea. Okay, that, That's what I mean, that it's about priority. God's mission needed someone to accomplish it. That's why God needs the church. It's also a good reminder that God works outside the church. God was working outside the church before there was a church. And then God didn't say, oh, I'm completely changing what I do. I'm no longer going to work outside the church because I have a church now. It's like, no, okay, these are people who 
understand me. These are people who know me. These are people who know my heart. They can join me in what I'm already doing. And so God continues to work and speak and draw and bless outside of the church. But the church should be doing this as well. So one of the ways that it sometimes shows up in churches is the idea of missions. Sounds very close to the word mission, but they're radically different. In When you have missions, you often have a missions committee, missions department, missions team, and there it's one program among many. You may have children's ministry, you may have worship ministry, you may have the missions team. Okay, but that's one thing. And if you're involved with the kids, you really don't have to do mission. Because you're just going to love the kids, but you're going to stay here. And a lot of it has to do with there and here, that kind of dichotomy. Versus seeing it the way God sees it. Where it's all mission. Where as we're teaching our kids, we understand that that's mission. Because the mission is drawing people back into a relationship with God. And whether it's near or far. It's about planting seeds. It's about watering seeds. It's about growing up the seedlings. Um, all of those things. And so when these, these are related, and I want us to be a church that, yes, does missions and outreach, but also that we understand that everything that we do needs to be directly related to mission because it's who we are as individuals. It's who we are as a church because it's who God is at the core of who He is. God is ascending God. God so loved the world that He sent His Son. And Jesus says, as you send me, so I'm sending them. Is, do, do you understand kind of the, the flow here where this sending nature of God is part of God's character? So that's, that's our theological, theological underpinning. And, and now we're starting to talk a little bit more about ecclesiology. This is what the church is. This is how it was designed. Um, and so it's not just about God's nature. It's about what the church was designed to do. The church wasn't designed as a refuge. It wasn't designed as a place originally for us to shut out the rest of the world. It was gathering people together who would then carry out this mission. So, how are we going to do this? If you like mnemonic devices, things that help you remember, I'm going to give you four Ds. And we've talked about these things in different ways. Uh, first of all, discover. Embedding, initiating. This would be kind of the embedding part uh, where we, next week, we're going to walk and look and listen, and pray. And we're going to try to discover what God is already doing. God, where are you at work? Where are there things that are beautiful, that are praiseworthy, that are excellent? And we're going to work to support those. But we're also going to work to discover deficiencies. God, where are there places where you are so desperately needed? Where is there lack? Where is there hurt? Where is there poverty? Where is there sickness? We look to discover that. 
and discover not only those things that we see, but then also discover and even discern where God would have us go. Because truth is, there are so many needs, whether it's in our townhouse pod, your neighborhood, your place of work. There are so many needs. You couldn't do them all. You couldn't respond to all of them. So then the question is a question of discernment. Which of these? How do my skills and gifts and experiences, my temperament, am I an introvert and an extrovert or an extrovert? What am I good at? God, where would you send me? God, how would you like me to be involved in what I see you doing? God, there's, there's a lack. How would you have me speak to that need? And then, once we've asked God that sort of question, it would be wrong for us to then not do something about it, right? Yeah, that sounds really great. I hope someone does it. And then lastly, debrief. This is part of what we get to do as a community. Saying, okay, you you discovered, you sensed a need. You sensed that God wanted to use you to fill the need. You spent a little time doing it. How's it working? Do you have everything that you need? How can we as a community help you and bless you in your neighborhood? Do you, do you need some more people? Can we throw some people your way? You want to you wanna do something in your neighborhood? Can we send people to help, I don't know, set up the bounce house? You know, what, what does it look like? Can we move into your neighborhood? You know, I, I don't know what, what it's going to be. Um, and then you say, okay, how did it go? Do we keep on doing what we've been doing? Or do we say, you know what? I tried it, and I felt like a hypocrite. And we need to do something else. Okay. Maybe we heard God wrong. But we heard and we tried to do something. That's better than not doing anything at all because we're doing it out of, out of love. So, then we debrief. Talk about it afterwards. Love to hear your thoughts about that long quote. It's not so much that God has a mission for His church in the world, but that God has a church for His mission. How does that sit with you? This thing, it made me think back to Bible study. I did when the kids were little, and I don't remember who it was, but it was kind of like you pray, not God, what is your plan for my life, but God, what are you doing in the world, and how do you want me to join you in that? I kind of feel like it's kind of that same. Sounds like Sounds experiencing like, God. Yeah. Black of being king. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you know that, and, and it does kind of change your mindset just a little bit. Like, it's not about me and what God wants me to do, it's about God and how do I join that. And how, where, how, we know what His mission is, so how do I join that mission? Does it, oh, go ahead. I just think where His hands and feet, I mean, I don't know, it kind of hit me. I'm like, I know I've probably seen this before, but. Yeah, that God really wants us to get out there and use ourselves, our hands, our feet, our mouths, mm-hmm. <laughs> to really get His message out there, get His love out there. Mm-hmm. 
does it make a difference, like Kathy pointed out, that this originates with God rather than with me? If so, what, what kind of difference do you see there? If it's God's plan, whose resources is it? If, if it's God's plan, whose resources will be needed to complete the plan? God, okay. Yeah, you know, so, so that, that's one of the things that I, that I think about it. As we look around the room, we, we got a small group. There are lots of needs that we cannot meet. And if we only think about just ourselves and what we have pooled and collected here, we are really, really limited. But when we tap into what God is doing in the world, then all of a sudden and we, rec- we recognize that this is something that God wants to happen. And we recognize that we are pulling, or we're pulling from heaven's resources, not just ours. And I, I know some of our, our numbers people will say, yes, but. <laughs> I've heard story after story of people who say, you know what? We know that this is what God told us to do, and we're going to be faithful. We don't know where it's going to come from, and it shows up. If you want to talk more about that first question, we can. Those four Ds, discover, discern, do, debrief. How might those be helpful? It could. It may sound a lot like yours at times, and that's what makes it tough. And, and, and for me, that, that's part of the reason why we spent a month helping to familiarize you with those ideas. Because, yeah, what does it really look like when God speaks to you? How do you know? And one of the things that I want us to do is to make sure that we don't just discern individually, so it's not just me and God, but it's me and God, and I talk with these people who know me and love me and also are trying to do the same thing in the world, and know that if you think I'm going off in a really bad direction or even a direction that's just not quite where we need to be, I give you a, you know, a, a veto card and say, wait a second, let's, let's talk about this. God told me something that sounds a little bit different or it sounds like maybe you haven't thought everything through. That's part of what community does when it's functioning well is that it's not just me discerning, but it's me discerning and then bringing it to Sean and saying, Sean, here's a situation, this is what I know, you're, you're a bright guy. I know that you want this sort of thing to happen. Does it sound like it works? What holes do you see? That's part of the discerning process, too. Because when it's God's voice sounding like me, you have to stop and think, is this the same voice that tells me I'm not worthy? Mm-hmm. I suck or, you know, I'm a loser. Mm-hmm. It's that exact same voice. Yeah. I have a friend who years ago, her boyfriend at the time, said, God told me we're going to be married. Like, okay, when he tells me that, well, <laughs> but he hasn't told me the same thing yet. So, And they didn't, you know, but yeah. but I, it's kind of that same thing. You need to kind of debrief or, you know, just wait to make sure that that's... But I think that was the part I think I liked with the debriefing and the, the ability and, uh, you know, the necessity to come back and go, well, I think this. It's not really working, and then you know, being able to admit that, hey, maybe I didn't get it right, and and being open yeah. to somebody else's wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just so weird because it sounds exactly like what you know where it all started, where it originated with her. Like 
Mm -hmm. I was so shut off from everything. Mm -hmm. I was like, later. But then I realized, like, man, out of nowhere, it just, it, it was kind of like, I'm, I'm really, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 I really need to get the, get right here. And then all of a sudden, it was just like, yeah. But I mean, you guys are already doing this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys really are. I just want to somehow, some way, get on the same path. You know, mm -hmm. and maybe, it's, maybe I am, but. Maybe I just told do, do you remember the story you shared a couple minutes ago? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think it's just like that stupid Catholic guilt that hangs over me forever and every can't get rid of. Do you know what I mean by I, say that? Absolutely. We all, we all have these messages that we play about ourselves, about the world, about God, and a lot of them aren't true. You know, and seriously, that, that's one of the things that, that I, I want to increase my reminders for you of when we're doing communion. You get to bring somebody else to the very presence of Jesus. That's you. That's not just my job as someone, as an ordained pastor. You get to do that too. At the end of the service, we get to give the blessing. And man, if you get to bless someone with those words, that's powerful. You, God wants to use you. And my job as I see it, according to Ephesians 4.13, is to train and equip the saints for the work of ministry. If you bring me your friends who don't know Jesus, I'll happily have a conversation with them. I'm not guaranteeing any magic where they see the light and they hear the angels sing and they agree to follow Jesus right there. Chances are that may happen with you because you've got more proximity and presence that I don't have with your friends. So yeah, I, I want you to recognize that this gets to be you, and that can be scary because you may have had the thought that I'm not a missionary because a missionary goes to Africa. Or a missionary has to be this holy person who has an hour and a half quiet time every morning. And I'm lucky if I get an hour and a half in a month. And I, I, I don't know what that voice is in your head, but God loves you. And God has given you gifts that are not just for you. They're for the people around you. And so that's what we practice here. That's what we encourage people. We want to build one another up to love and good deeds. So speaking of, again, two pieces of homework. These are uh, on the back of your um, bulletin and the notes if you want them. So where do you see God at work? Where and how do you see God working in the lives of those around you? Where and how is God working in my neighborhood? What about your place of vocation? So, so this is starting that discovery process. If you don't really know what this looks like, if you don't really know the questions to ask how to do it, this is what we're going to practice next week together. And then the one after that, in light of your gifts and resources, this is the discernment question. How does God want me to partner in what God is already doing? So this is kind of like the discover and discern. That would be the homework. And so we'll be talking about this over the next couple weeks, about the next months, years of our existence, Say, okay, so what does it look like? Where do you see God? How can we encourage you to do what God is calling you to do? What we have is good news. One of the things that we get to deliver to people is the knowledge, the understanding that they have a Heavenly Father who loves them, that there's a God who created them, who knows them, who wants a relationship with. There may be a time for correction, reproof. That's not where we start, because that's not where God started with us. 
There are some of us who are still living in sinful patterns and behaviors. God still loves us. He wants better for us. But sometimes, well, the way Jesus said it, you don't pull the weeds right away because you might take some of the wheat with it. You wait. And I don't understand why. That's how God is choosing to do it. So we have a good message to share. Any other thoughts or comments about this? About what it would look like to participate in God's mission? Any question on anything that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks? The nature of God. God wants this more than you do. This is God's mission in the world. And you think, man, I'm just working at Potbelly. God's not going to use me there. And there might be that God's not going to use you there because he's going to use you in Seattle. That's awesome. And you, you don't just go. You go into a place where God already is. Absolutely. So can we pray for you? Want to come? Have you ever been in the hot seat before? All right. All right. So this is how we do it. All right, we, we, end, we end with the blessing. Uh, so if you want to stay seated, you may, if you want to stand. And again, part of my hope is that you commit this to memory. And so if someone ever asks you to pray for them, and if you don't have anything else to say, this is a fantastic prayer. So both give it to one another and receive it for yourself, because you'll need this this week too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Have a great week. We don't see you here. Where do we see you? Centennial Lakes. Centennial Lakes at the pavilion right next to Chuck E. Cheese. Oh, we're not meeting at Chuck E. Cheese. If that's where you want to go check out for 90 minutes, you can see what God's doing there. I'm not saying you can't.